0: Welcome back to the Office Marketing Podcast with Mike Swigert. The podcast all about sales tips, mindset, and value bombs. Five questions to help make your day more productive and learn a thing or two. Here is your host, best-selling author, Mike Swigert. Hey, everybody. Thank you for taking time out of your day and listening to the Office Marketing Podcast with me, Mike Swigert. I have a fun, fun guest today for us. Uh, he has been a friend of mine for years now. He is uh, talented, intelligent. He knows more about uh, moving, whether it be uh, local or international. He has done jobs with GE, CBRE, the military, the government. I mean, we could just go on and on and on and talk about the uh, acumen of, uh, of, of Mike Maddox. But, uh, but I'm just glad you took time out of your busy schedule to come talk to us, Mike. Thank you very much. Mike, that was fantastic. Keep going. I, I'm, I'm loving it. <laughs> All right. Exactly. He's handsome. He's a wonderful father. He loves his family. Right, I, I'm going a bit too far. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, Mike, why don't we, before I go too much more, why don't you tell us a little bit, tell us a little bit about you?
1: Yeah. So um, again, hello everyone. I'm Mike Maddox. I am the executive vice president of global sales for the office moving alliance, OMA. Uh, My responsibility is to go out and uh, find great clients that um, have multiple presence, either globally or nationally, uh, multiple facilities with certain number of employees that then I work within our system to service them and make sure that uh, everything that we do for them is done A1,
0: top rate, first class. And, um, you know, that is what I do, Mike. All right. Look. I love knowing what you do. We know yeah. you're talented. You wouldn't be on right. my show if you weren't right. a, uh, a rock star in the industry. But tell yeah. us about you, what, what makes you tick? What, how did you get into this crazy business in the first place?
1: Wow, so that goes back a while. Um, actually, I started out working at a small allied band lines agency in Cincinnati, Ohio. My mom decided that uh, she wanted to turn me into a man. So she t- sent me up to work while I was in high school uh, the summers in high school with an allied agent where my uncle was the dispatcher. So I started very early and, and, you know, it was the boots on the ground. I did the packing. I did the moving. I did the driving. I ended up driving tractor trailers for them. But one of the things that I got tired of was going out on jobs that were estimated to take three hours that took 10 hours. So as a young know-it-all punk, I made sure that the owner knew that I thought I could do better in selling these jobs than what his current sales staff did. Mm. And at age 24, he gave me the opportunity to prove that, and that's really where it took off. Um, and I that's met- where
0: you—that's where you begin to fail miserably. No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> I mean, you got to fail first before you succeed, right? Because you got to learn. Absolutely,
0: fail forward. Fail yeah, forward.
1: Yeah. No, but it was actually very good, and you know, I learned a lot of different things. I mentored with a guy named Harold Cole, um, who really taught me how to make sure that you know I was meeting with clients and had a sense of empathy and ask good questions. And he really started my career, but you know, had that owner not given me the chance, who knows you know where I'd be today? I might still be loading trucks,
0: but hey, but here I, I am. I tell you what, I had a uh, a roommate in college, and we we're roommates. And then in the summer, he went to go work for a mattress company, right? And he was loading trucks, hauling mattresses. And yeah. here's a guy who was like normal size, kind of like you know, just maybe six feet, 160 pounds. After 10 or 12 weeks of loading mattresses, I'm not kidding. He put on 25 pounds of muscle. He came back absolutely jacked. Cause he was like, you move a mattress, right? Go move a go move a queen or a king size. It's not a it's not always a two-man job.
1: It is not easy, that's for sure. So yeah, certainly I was in some of the best shape. And I still feel today that nobody can load a truck as well as I
0: can. <laughs> well, keep that going in your head there, Mike. Because uh, that might be the only place that's might that might be true. Hey, right. so so then you worked for some really great companies. Like I, I as I look at your uh, resume between Beltman and Commercial Works and obviously now Office, uh, Office Moving Alliance or OMA, tell me, um, tell me what you learned along the way from each one of those companies.
1: Well, look, I think, I, I mean, you know this, we're all a product of our experiences, right? So what I learned and what I've taken with me really from day one is that, you know, you have to make sure that when you're working with somebody, you do everything in your power to make sure that they get a good experience. And I will do that and no matter what it takes. You know, In the past, I would be able to go out on a job if I needed to, to, to make things go well, if we had some problems, if we had some issues. But at the end of the day, Mike, I just wanted to make sure, and I've learned this from all these companies, that, that we don't quit until we know we have a customer who has been served well, that they're satisfied. And I've taken that with me everywhere I've gone um, and continue to do that today. So it's just I, important to me to know that I've given it all.
0: Well, I love that, Mike. Where, where do you get that? Where, how did that end up? Is that in your DNA? Is that something that you were taught? where did that come from?
1: No, I mean, it's going to sound a little hokey, Mike, but one of my first projects that I did, one of the first movies I did for Allied lines, I was actually delivering some furniture into this lady's house. I made the mistake of loading tires into her white sofa. So I'm carrying in the sofa that's got tread marks all over it. And she proceeded to cry. Um, She was really upset. And I just told myself that today, that day that, you know what, I'm never going to let somebody down like I did today. You know, I'm just not. And I I've I've lived that in my career and it's, it's really, you know, paid off. I think
0: that's really good. Now, how old were you when that happened? I was probably 22, 23. That's pretty cool. Now I don't, I don't want to age you, but that's, um, it was a while ago. That's a, yeah, that's early eighties. I mean, that's a, that's a, I mean,
1: you know, there's some things you just don't forget Yeah, you know, and you learn from them and, and you promise that you'll not repeat them. And that's, that's what I've done. So anytime I've made a mistake, I've owned up to it and I've made sure that I don't make the same mistake again. And then I'll go to, you know, whatever uh, degree needed to make sure that, you know, we give a good experience.
0: I like that. I like that. All right. Well, tell me some keys. If somebody was going to do a move, we'll talk about it as two different things, right? Let's talk about a local move first and we'll talk about like a, um, a multi-city uh, move next. But when it comes to a local move, like what are some of the keys to a successful uh, to a successful move? What would those be, Mike?
1: Well, I mean, the keys are, you know certainly um, first off, Mike, it's awfully it's often somebody who has been delegated the responsibility of managing that move, right? And that's normally not their day-to-day activity. So they have another job that they're doing besides managing the move. So I think the first important part is understanding that you're going to need help through the process, you know, that you can't do it alone. And making sure that you have engaged somebody that has experience, that has the resources to really help you through that process. And when the project's all over, hopefully, you know, you've earned a promotion or a raise because you've done such a great job and you know, picking the right people to work with. But for us, Mike, it's just understanding what's gonna happen, when it's gonna happen, how they want it to happen, what's gonna move, what's not gonna move, um, you know, all the different parameters that goes into a project, taking those and putting them all together, then presenting your client a plan that meets all those objectives in a um, logical way um, and then executing on that plan and keeping them informed throughout the process. I mean, it's it's really, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's not rocket science. It's just understanding the different parts and pieces that go into a project, putting a plan to address them all and making sure that it's executed.
0: Well, that's pretty good. I have a feeling that the, say, a multi-city move is very similar, but are there any other things you should know about? If I was moving from, say, Atlanta to New York, what do I need to know versus, you know, moving from one building in Atlanta to another?
1: Well, you know, obviously, Mike, there's different challenges with uh, a move that's going to be more national, you know, more out of, that's not a local move. Um, With that, again, it's just a more of a timing aspect. Once you've understood all the different things that go into it, but understanding the timing, how that's going to work, how long it's going to take to transport the goods from point A to point B. When you get to point B with the goods, you know, are you able to unload immediately? Do you need to stage for storage? Um, Again, it's just knowing all the components and putting together the plan that meets those components in the best way possible.
0: Yeah, maybe you could talk a little bit about OMA right now, right? So I, I, you told me a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit more about OMA on, the, on our pre-call, mm-hmm. but it seems like they have a kind of a unique solution to be able to take care of a, a, a multi-city move like that. Like what makes OMA so unique versus some of their competitors to be able to uh, provide that service better than others?
1: Yeah, so what's really unique about us, Mike, is that our company is made up of about 250 members today, those 250 members represent about 300 locations worldwide and um, they all kind of funnel straight through. So many of our members are owners in the company. So they don't have skin in the game. <clears throat> Every one of those locations have bricks and mortar um, facilities. So they have the resources needed to actually take care of a project no matter where it is. So oftentimes my job is just orchestrating all the different pieces that will go into a project, specifically, you know, if it is one that is out of area and not local. So it's organizing the origin activities, it's organizing the transportation, it's organizing the destination activities. And the comforting thing for me is when I'm doing that, I know that all of our members have the same mindset that I carry uh, in terms of service and performance. Um, You know, you can't just raise your hand and become a member of OMA. It's a very difficult process to become a member, a very thorough vetting process, background checks, financial stability. A lot of different things go into that before we extend an invitation for somebody to come on board. That's really what makes us different is the exclusivity of our organization and the ability to deliver that consistent performance throughout.
0: Hey, i tell you what, when I was in furniture, because you know, I, I spent um, about five years in commercial furniture and I won't name any names, but when I had to do an intermarket project, like I'm in Atlanta doing a job in DC, it was, it was awful. It was absolutely hellacious trying to get, because maybe it was a, a big client for me in Georgia, but to try to get someone to help me do an install in another city, I was at the bottom of the, the, the list. Like I got their, I got their D team, No one was. No one even cared about what was being done remotely. The only way for me to really do it properly would have been to basically rent a truck, drive it up there, and oversee the install myself if I wanted it done properly for my client. Like, what does Oma do to kind of help that that situation? This episode of the Office Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Fusion Advisory. We help commercial contractors generate leads online profitably. Check us out at fusion-advisory.com
1: an out-of-office project and a lot of times you know the the um, organization of that move is a centralized function you know out of home office maybe coordinating a move for a project that is you know on the other coast from where they're at and oftentimes they'll tell me you know I pick up the phone book or I pick up Google and I'll start just looking for movers at the other end who might be able to help so it just amazes me major corporations that still use that way of doing things and what OMA brings to the table again is that consistency of our membership, consistency of our standards um, that allow us to just provide a pretty seamless process with an easy single point of entry into the into the system.
0: I love it. I love it. I wish I had I wish I had OMA in my back pocket when I was in the in the furniture world. That would have I I probably would have kept some big clients a lot more because I could. You know again if it was managed locally we had all of our all of our people but once i got into Intermarket, i was like because oh, it always sounded good to be able to take care of clients on a larger platform but it gets so away. i learned
1: i learned firsthand uh the value and the power of oma in 2008 oma kind of started really as like a good old boy referral network it really wasn't a formalized company at that time um, but i was in cincinnati ohio working for commercial works and when uh doug hollings had brought to us that there was this thing called OMA and that we could then service our clients elsewhere. You know, I really took that mic and took it to market and took it to my customers. And literally in the first year I doubled the amount of business that I did because of OMA. And that was before, you know, we were an actual company and a formalized organization. So, you know, having been in love with OMA since 2008, it was a natural for me to accept this role when it became available and uh, join OMA on the sales side.
0: I love it. So, I mean, obviously, I'm uh, kind of being a little fanboy for OMA because it sounds uh, really, it's, it's a tool I needed in my toolbox. And I hope people listening can, uh, can lean on, on this solution. It seems like you're really onto something, Mike. Hey, on um, let's, let's go on. Let's talk a little bit more about you. All right, Mike, I know it's, it's got to be one yeah. of your top five subjects, right? So uh, tell us something that maybe not everybody knows about you.
1: So, most people don't know, and if they did, they might approach me a little differently. Is the fact that I am a third degree brown belt in Kempo karate. Nice. Um, yeah, when I turned 40, I decided I wanted to strive to achieve something that I normally wouldn't do. So, uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio, I signed up with a guy named Mark Tracy, who taught Kempo karate. Um, and it's a very different type of system, it's based on strikes and it's very offensive system but i trained with him two days a week for eight years straight and actually earned the third degree brown belt and Kempo karate so i like to tell people jokingly that i'm a trained assassin
0: nice yeah yeah i was i was kind of picking up on that here just through zoom like that's if anybody's watching this on youtube right now um you would see that mike maddox is just absolutely one of the like sweetest, kindest men in the world. I've known, you know, we've, we've known each other a few years now right. and, um, you really are, you just have such a kind, uh, you exude, a, a, a just a very pleasant disposition that I love being around and your family too. You know, I've been blessed to be able to meet, you know, some more Maddoxes, and, and y'all are good people.
1: Well, thank you. And I, you know, I think the uh, training with the karate really helped with that because you do learn to be very disciplined, to be very organized and, um, you know, to take, Things for what you see, um, but be prepared to act if you need to.
0: I love it. I love it. Yeah. So, well, how, let's go right into mindset then, right? Mm-hmm. So, I know um, the last year has been uh, challenging for many of us, and um, and and I know it's been extremely challenging for you. What do you do to um, help keep your mindset so positive and uh, and and pleasant? You know, really, what do you do, Mike? Well,
1: it's, uh, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, Mike, it's not that hard for me to do that. Obviously, it's been a tough time, right? And, and we really feel for everybody that's gone through tough times during this period. But it's not that hard for me to stay positive just because I, no pun intended, positively know that any projects that we do are going to perform with the same care and control that I hold, that I've held since I was a kid. Um, that I know they're going to be taken care of well with empathy and with uh, safety in mind. So, you know, it's not easy, Mike, when I transitioned into this role, because in the past, you know, I would go out, I would manage actual operations and offices. So when we were doing a project, I could go out, take a look at the truck, make sure it looked clean, make sure the crews were in uniform, make sure we were ready to do a great job. Now what I do, I have to rely exclusively on our network. And that was a hesitancy for me when I took the role, but I can now tell you four years later, I've had zero problems with those same issues and concerns that I held. So I, am positive every day, just because I know what we're putting out into the field and what we're doing is really unmatched in the industry. And it helps me to stay up and, you know, and everything that I do.
0: That's good. That's good. Do you have a a book? This is actually, if people are listening, this is really a very selfish uh, question I ask because- I, I did 57 books last year on Audible. It, um, it is, it, it, I swear I learned more last year through the books on, on Audible than uh, six years of college. Uh, but um, but t- is there a book you, you can share with us that were specifically me that you really like?
1: Well, okay. So I hope you're not disappointed with this, Mike. But um, you know, for me, when I do have the opportunity to read and study, I have zero interest in reading anything related to business, absolutely (laughs) none, because, and no offense to anybody who may be an author of any books with business, but so much of it to me is stuff that is just regurgitated in different ways. So I learn by doing, Uh, my business experience has allowed me to learn by doing, and you know, fortunately it's paid off, so I think we're doing some things right. But when I do get a chance to read, I like to read classics. So i read animal farm i read um bobbit i've read recently the the uh, jungle by upton sinclair i just like reading the classics as a little almost escapism if you will um and i really enjoy those
0: well you know uh 1984 used to be escapism until it actually started happening so that's kind <laughs> of <laughs> <laughs> and animal farm is right behind us um yep. so I, and I really that's not even a political statement um, so talk to us about great advice, Mike, what's a piece of advice that you'd like to, uh, like to share with everybody.
1: So I really have two of them. One it wasn't something that somebody said to me, rather something that they did. And, you know, that was my dad. And, um, he worked at General Motors for 30 years in material scheduling, very stressful job. But when my dad was coming home, you could literally hear him, Mike, before you ever saw him. He'd have his window down and he would be whistling so loud that you could hear him almost a mile and a half away. So everybody knew when dad was coming home. And I've always taken that um, approach that, you know, no matter how challenging your day is, you can still whistle at the end of your day. Um, So that really is the advice that I've taken. Um, And it was in form of a whistle, if you will, that. No matter what I'm going through, you know, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. The day's going to end. And as long as I've done the best I can that day to take care of people, and um, I'm happy with that. Second thing is, uh, I was visiting with a gentleman in Dallas, Texas. He had a giant ceramic frog on his desk. I asked him, well, what's up with the frog? And he said, swallow the frog first. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? And he says... You know, anytime that I have something difficult to do that day, something that, you know, I prefer not to do, I do it first so that it doesn't impact the rest of my day as I consider to ponder and worry about it. And I've taken that as great advice as well that, you know, if you have something that really is unpleasant that you don't really want to deal with, go ahead and swallow the frog first, get it taken care of, and then go on about a productive day. So, that's great. you know, that, that's really the two things I've to to live by a so whistle awesome. while you work, Mike. Whistle while you work.
0: <laughs> you know, I um I it's so funny, is I, I I am a whistler, right? And I remember I remember walking home from school one day back when kids would walk to school and back. So I think it was something about four or five miles uphill both ways in the snow. Um, although it was I think I've gone back and it was only about an eighth of a mile. But anyway, I used to walk through this one um like duplex community and I'd always be whistling. And I remember one time I'm walking through the community and this woman came out, like it was yesterday. I'm talking, this is probably like 1977 or 78. This woman comes out and she stopped me. And she said, um, she, she basically said something along the lines of, I love it when you walk by because you're always whistling. Yeah. And, um, and it's so funny is that like my oldest daughter will say, dad, I don't know how you can whistle on key, but you can't sing and hold a key to save your life, but you can actually whistle on key, and um, and my buddies know it. Whenever I'm playing golf and I'm playing poorly, I find uh, grace in just whistling a little soft tune, and it gets me back into. Uh, I think I I think I'd really like your dad. I think we could be in a a, a, a whistling duo. I think we'd have fun together.
1: He absolutely did that. And every day when he was coming home, it was just really, really loud, you know, and everybody knew he was there. So
0: yeah. Yeah. You know what? There's a, there's a, there's a great thing. I've seen Tony Robbins live, you know, multiple times. And Tony always says that it is impossible to have gratitude and stress in the same heart. Yeah. Right. So and, and I know I'm making a stretch by, by comparing this to whistling. Right. But like when I whistle, it does, it tends to bring me into a, a, A place of peace it it tends to like you know because now there's a song in my head i'm actively doing something now i'm hearing something so i'm hitting a lot of senses and um and stress tends to leave me tony robbins does this exercise where you you basically take your hand you put it on your heart and you get a visual of the thing in this world you're most grateful for right and when you have that intense visual as granular as possible Stress can't exist in that in that same place.
1: Yeah, so I take a couple of times each day to try to make sure that I've cleaned my mind and spirit, you know, that it's clear, that it's, uh, that it's comfortable and good just by having quiet time, you know, whether it's taking a walk with the dog or just sitting back and reflecting on all the good things that are around us. You know, the stress, it kind of, it doesn't go away, but it's not as bad Yeah. As it could. So yeah, just, just take times to make sure that you understand that you're, you're good.
0: I love it. I love it. All right. So, um, since you are uh, a brown out in martial arts, um, if it was, uh, uh, Bruce Lee, Chuck Norris and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in a fight, who wins?
1: Uh, you know what? I would think it would be Bruce Lee.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be tough to be.
1: Um, Chuck's pretty tough
0: though. <laughs> and but what well, was Was it the eye of the dragon? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar actually was in a, a Bruce Lee movie, right? Wasn't he?
1: Right, right, yeah. And then then there was a movie out recently with Brad Pitt and, um, oh, uh, I can't remember the other guy, but anyway, there was a fight between Brad Pitt and Bruce Lee. It was set in Hollywood and Brad Pitt beat up Bruce Lee. So I don't know, my opinion of Bruce Lee might be a little bit too high.
0: Well, if you've seen Snatch, you'd probably think that that Brad Pitt could beat up anybody because he's kind of, or Troy. If you take Troy and Snatch, I'll go with Brad Pitt. (laughs) exactly. All right. Listen, if, I, if somebody wanted to touch with you, Mike, what we'll would be the best way to do it?
1: Uh, well, so, you know, obviously my email is mmaddox at com. That's M-M-A-D-D-U-X at officemovingalliance.com spelled out. And I am one person that answers my phone no matter when you call. And that's four zero seven six one five nine four six one.
0: All right. Well, we'll put both in the show notes. Yeah. And again, if somebody wants to hunt them down on LinkedIn, Mike Maddox, M-A-D-D-U-X, M-A-D-D-U-X. And uh, again, all I can do is have uh, gratitude for you taking uh, time out of your day to, to share your story, Mike. Thank you.
1: I appreciate it. It was fun. Thanks for inviting me. I'll do it again.
0: All right. Bye. Hi, right, Mike. See you. Thanks for listening to the Office Marketing Podcast. Be sure to join the conversation on our YouTube channel, LinkedIn, and Facebook pages. If you enjoyed the episode, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.